broadcasting live, live and around the world. Around the world. From Cabana One, the only podcast that's all ball bearings. Your ultimate source for everything Fletch. Moon River. Thank you, Doc. You ever serve time? Laker Jim and his beat reporters will stop at nothing to make sure Fletch lives forever. Forever. They don't shower much. This is Fletchcast. Thank you, Sammy, and welcome to Fletchcast. I'm your host, Laker Jim. Along with me, as always, are two men that still believe Scrod is making a comeback, Jake and Big Bob. Boys, it's Fletch Lives time again. Well, it's either Scrod or breaking a lot of dishes. 75K and breakage. Hey, hey, we're Greek. We break dishes. Hey, today we're all Greek. We're clumsy. Uh, yeah. You dance. You know, I don't even know if I've had Scrod. I'm going to look it up after this show. I can assure you I've never had Scrod. Yeah. Scrod's making a comeback, all right? Now, if you're religious, but you don't believe in a God that requires heavy financing, then then this episode is for you. Demons out! <laughs> now, we've crammed so much Fletch Lives information into this second episode that it's going to seem all over the place. So we apologize in advance. We just want to make sure we don't have to do Fletch Lives Part 3. Hey, man. Bet your ass. Now, somebody that's been cramming since season one is Big Bob. Bob, why don't we start with you? Uh, I know you've been dying for the Fletch Lives topic to return to the podcast. Yeah, Fletch Fletch Lives just holds a a really warm place in my heart. Again, we did a little, but there's so much more to to jump into with this. So I don't want to waste any time and I want to get right into it. Bob, where would you like to start? Uh, right where we just started a moment ago with the uh, Kakakis Brothers scene at the beginning. There's there's two things okay. that after rewatching Fletch Lives that I noticed. The art director of this movie is a guy named Jimmy Bly, B L Y. Now, why does that mm-hmm. why does that name stand out so much to you guys? Bly Chemicals. Bly Chemicals. My Laker shoes were ruined by toxic waste produced there. The other name that stands out is uh, there is a stuntman. I don't know if he's the, the stuntman that does all of Chevy stunts or not, but he he has worked in a few movies with Chevy. Diamond Farnsworth. The name. Oh, wow. Now, okay. Obviously. Laker Jim, we've had a conversation about this before, how scripts are written, and sometimes these kind of things are just coincidental. I don't think this is coincidental, <laughs> especially with names like Bly and Farnsworth. Definitely a crazy coincidence and a very good observation. It probably helped them get the job, to be honest. The other thing is something I noticed about this scene. You know, we get through uh, all the stuff with Uncle Kakakis and Fletch is on the run. Have you guys ever noticed? I don't know if it's if it's a bad special effect or what. When they when they're driving and they're trying to run Fletch over and they crash the car into the wall. Have you ever noticed how the whole mm-hmm. front end of the car just absolutely crumples? Like an accordion. Yes. Like an accordion. Yes. Like an accordion. I love the guy says you're never driving again. Uh, and, and the best part is like the, the guy driving is trying to restart the car when there's no front of the car left. There's no engine left. <laughs> and, you know, Fletch must be in pretty good shape because, I mean, he, he jumped on the car and then he fell off the car. He, I mean, he did, you know, pretty violently and still managed to get up and run away. I mean, so that's something to say. We are all of the age of Fletch in that movie. So I don't think we would have rolled off and ran as, as quickly yeah. as he did. I, <laughs> I would have been reeling from the, I would have been reeling from the Uncle Kakakis uh, attack in the bathroom. <laughs> I'd still be in there. <laughs> now, listen, if you think, and I love that old yeah. man, I love yeah. Uncle Kakakis. Go back and listen to Fletch Lives Part 1. It's episode 9 in season 1. We cover him in that episode. And so in order to keep this ball yeah. moving, we're going to try not to repeat too many things from the first episode. So if you haven't listened to Fletch Lives Part 1, go back, listen to that, then come right back and listen to this. Sound good? Whatever makes you feel sexy. <laughs> so I think the logical place to start is Farnsworth Ministries, okay, run by 
the Reverend Jimmy Lee Farnsworth. And now, the host of our show, the ministry's founder and your friend, Mr. Good News himself, the Reverend Jimmy Lee Farnsworth. Played by actor, the late, great Arlie Ermey, a televangelist uh, who is running a mega church. And Fletch finds out that his Aunt Belle at one point was going to give the land to Jimmy Lee. And at the very last minute, changed her mind, changed her will, and gave the land to Fletch. So I think that um, raised an eyebrow with Fletch as to why, you know, why she would have been giving it to, to Jimmy Lee Farnsworth. Obviously, at one time, he must have touched her deeply. Since she changed her mind, I guess he didn't touch her deeply enough or in the right place. How are we first introduced to Farnsworth Ministries in the movie? Well, Fletch first finds out about Farnsworth when he actually is driving home from the jail with Ham. And remember, he actually talks about Bible Land right. on that first drive home. Right. Yeah. yeah. When, well, Hamilton yeah. points out Bible Land is such a nuisance. Actually, Bible Land cascades over the trees behind Ham's house. That should have been a sign right there of <laughs> who was seeking true revenge. I hope they all fry in hell, you blood-sucking bastards. Jesus, Ham. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Fletch and, Fletch and Calculus are, are hanging out in Calculus's quarters one night. And uh, Calculus tells them that when they they aren't able to get the Wheel of Fortune on the TV, uh, they watch Farnsworth Ministries. And so, hey, remind me to bring up Wheel of Fortune later. Um, so Fletch decides he's going to find out once and for all who this Jimmy Lee Farnsworth is. Jimmy Lee Farnsworth? Down here. Everybody knows about him. When he first gets to the church the first time, you know, he's sitting there. I'm curious how that they find out that he's actually in the audience to begin with. I'm guessing that um, when they when he's in line and they find out his name, they must have some kind of a crack research team that connects him to Belle Isle. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, <laughs> because that's pretty quick. They're probably keeping an eye out for certain people. They they know that he's in town. They know he owns the property that they want. So as soon as they see his name pop up, they're probably thinking, oh, my God, we got to get this guy. You know, like this is the guy we've been yeah. looking for, you know, and and, they, and I guess Jimmy Lee's ulterior motive is if I can get him on stage, I can get him backstage and then I can get him to take the ride on the golf cart. And I can kind of get his ear for a little bit about giving me his land. Now, Fletch, when he's in line, they ask him his address. Address? Seven. Which is a great line. <laughs> Yeah. Seven, that's I right. use that all the time. I, there's a gas station I go to that constantly gets me to try to sign up for their stupid rewards thing, and I say that all the time. What's your phone well, number? Now, seven? You're not the only one that quotes it all the time because Chevy himself quotes it all the time. Famously uh, written in Kevin Smith's book, uh, when he writes about his encounter with Chevy Chase regarding Fletch One, actually regarding Son of Fletch, he said he couldn't believe that Chevy was quoting himself during the sit down. And he literally said, I watched this and he grabbed the waitress and he said, Hey, ask me my credit card number. And she said, what's your credit card number? And he said, seven. And he laughed hysterically. So, <laughs> <laughs> so not, even Chevy uses that line. That's a great scene though. I mean, it's so funny because he's just sitting there and then um, yes. the girl is up yes. there admitting her sin and, and Chevy's just light of pearl, light of pearls up there. And it's just so great because like, She's talking yeah. about sleeping with all these people, and Chevy's just like, yeah, he's just shrugging yeah. it off. It's such a great reaction. And she's like talking about like sleeping yeah. with like her uncles and stuff too. <laughs> Listen, at that point, she'd been forgiven. It, it was her time Something, to go. Oh. And I also shoplifted this You've been forgiven. And I also stole Demons out! <gasps> praise, praise the Lord! Ladies and gentlemen, praise be, praise the Lord! <laughs> right. Demons out. Something I noticed too. It's kind of a funny, you know, sight gag too. You know how when you go to a live show, yeah. they have the applause signs up above for the. Yeah. There's an applause yeah. sign and there's an amen <laughs> sign too. Oh no, I didn't see that. Yeah. Oh, great observation. <laughs> oh, I got to look at that again. Yeah. Oh god, that's funny. Yeah, of course, Fletch gets called up, right? Uh, because uh, Farnsworth yeah. has the gift to know he's in the crowd. Mister Fletcher, 
Mr. Irwin M. Fletcher. Are you out there, Mr. Fletcher? Step forward, young man. The Lord's calling to you. Come on up here. Give him a big hand. Go ahead. He's like, I have sinned. And and then he's like, oh, more sin? You want more? Well, the greatest greatest line to me in that movie is when he's like, uh, I parked in a handicapped space on a handicapped person. That's every time I hear that line. Every time I hear that line, I just think I told him I'd be out in five minutes. So that's not really. Oh, God, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Everyone I watched that with for the first time always laughs really hard at that line, too. It's just so ridiculous. But yet, Farnsworth wants more <laughs> sins from him. Light of Pearl, he was done with. Yeah. Other sins? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, I parked in a handicapped spot on my way over here. Actually, on a handicapped person. I told him I'd be out in I'm five sorry. minutes, so that's not such a big deal. <laughs> and there have been other things. You know, they're kind of personal. So. And then, and everybody else seems fine with it, you know? Yeah, There's no, yeah, like... Yeah. Like even the part yes. about you know parking on the handicapped person, but just like you know, when when, when Fletch yeah. is being dragged so, out uh, and he is given like the the okay sign as he's being pulled away, he gives the, yeah, <laughs> the okay, yeah. gives the, the okay, okay. <laughs> like he feels great, <laughs> so relieved yep. that he is free of sin. So that's uh, so from great. there, that's that's where we we get Jimmy Lee and Fletch on the golf cart driving around in Bible Land itself. Now you do get a really good look at. Bible lands mm-hmm. when they're driving around. They 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 talk about some of the rides. There's some sort of a mountain in the background. I I, I would love to look back and see mm. what it is. Um probably Mount Sinai yeah, or something like yeah. that. And then you see a if few Sunday school, if I remember yep, that right. You do see a few of the rides backstage and everything. You know there's the Jump for Jesus trampoline center. <laughs> oh my god, that's funny. <laughs> and we, we at the end of the movie, we do see um Kind of like a scary ride, you know. It looks yeah. like a ride through hell. Yes. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. There's yes, a couple absolutely. of uh, there's a couple of Bible quotes. Second one uh, is Romans eight six. To be carnally minded is death. And guess who they show standing next to that sign? Bend over. Uh-huh. It's the old dead horse fucker himself. <laughs> bend over. <laughs> uh, oh no. So very carnally minded that he is. And, 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 and then as soon as they show that sign of him with it, that's when he gets the pitchfork down his pants. And that's the end of him for the movie. That's a great scene in the golf cart and his line of, you know, you don't suppose <laughs> I use too many photographs of myself. No, no. Worked for the Ayatollah. Fledge says it worked for the Ayatollah. <laughs> Kind of yeah. a throwaway line, but I love that yeah. line. That seems like a line that would be straight out of a book if there was a book on this movie, you know? Yeah. Now, there is a phone number to call uh, if you want to donate to Farnsworth Ministries. Hang on. I'm going to call it. I'll call it right now. And make sure we ask what uh, this is Farnsworth. Tell me we want to give money to Farnsworth. Okay. 800. Go ahead. 508-7729. Get your cash or check our MasterCard ready. D241. Test successful. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think I just launched a nuclear, co- a nuclear <laughs> you missile might have, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Start doing a Spies Like Us podcast. <laughs> the Bible Land self-destruct code. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, um, the letters at the end of the thing are 800-508-PRAZ. What do you think that stands for? P-R-A-Z. Say, say the numbers one more time. Say the numbers one more time. It's 1-800-508-PRAZ. P-R-A-Z. It doesn't even close to Jimmy Lee Farnsworth's initials or, you, or anything like that. You would think like they would that. throw some kind of a God, you know, maybe God or something like that in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Save or something like that. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I have to take a look at it. Maybe it's supposed to be, maybe it's supposed to be praise. Oh, yes, you nailed it. it. Yeah, you got it. That's got to be All those it. years mastering the license plate game finally paid Good off. job, Bob. Bless you, bless her, bless him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Did you guys ever notice uh, the entire costume for Ed Harley is completely improvised? He takes Becky's Thibodeau Realty yes. jacket and just cuts the patch off and wears You're that. right. Okay, I didn't notice that. I mean, how tall would you say Becky is? <laughs> I'd say she's about 5'5", five, 5'6". Five, five, yeah. So Chevy is a foot taller than her. Yeah. In what world would he <laughs> fit in her jacket? <laughs> yeah. And it's like perfectly tailored for him too. She must have been wearing a gigantic jacket. Uh, yeah, that's a great. So, Bob, you brought up the, the um, we, we were talking before the show and you were talking about the skis, the skis oh, yeah. that were on his. That always makes me laugh. <laughs> this is Foot Locker. Yeah. Right? 
So it's funny because and he's not going to be using them being in the South. And what's funny is in, in Fletch 2, the book, <laughs> Fletch gets a last minute invitation to go to Africa to meet his father. Well, his initial trip or honeymoon uh, with Barbara is skiing in oh, Colorado. So there's a reason for this. And who knows? But one of the running jokes in the book is that they wear these cutoff ski pants and sweaters <laughs> um, while they're in Africa. And it's so hot. <laughs> and they also carry skis. Around. There you go. They have That's two so sets funny. of skis that they carry around from like the hotel wow. and eventually they they work themselves out to this dig that his friend's father um is trying to find this roman city it's a really wild yeah, it book. sounds like it <laughs> but while they go out to this dig in the middle of nowhere in africa they lug their skis around wow. and fletch too so, so it's kind of a it's kind of a fletch staple everywhere he goes his skis go with him maybe yeah and jake fletch too is a book that references the movies right yes yes there's actually a couple of small references um to right. the music in um the book a couple of kind of off references to a couple of songs on the soundtrack one is get out of town and the other one is what's the name of it oh running for love running for love yes so there so it's kind of funny and I had forgot about those references. And then I remember when I was reading Fletch 2 a couple weeks ago, I had texted you guys. Yeah, what a cool thing for McDonald to do. That was really neat. Yeah. Fletch, in Fletch Lives, says, makes a reference to get out of town too. Yes, ham. Should I get out of town before sundown? <laughs> Great, great as usual. Yeah, there great are two references the to the movie. You're yeah. the king of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of it actually when you said yeah. skis. Um, it just came to my mind. And listen, there's nowhere to ski in Los Angeles either. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, that's true too. This town of Thibodeau gets mentioned a lot in this movie. Okay, you have Thibodeau Realty, mm-hmm. the morgue. There's it's, it's quite a thing. I know it's probably a small town, but how stupid is the Miss Piggy fat cop in this movie. I just want to make an observation that, that's, that I haven't made before on this. He is the arresting officer when Amanda Ray Ross dies and Chevy goes to jail for pissing off um, the sheriff, right? He's the guy who arrests him and, and picks mm-hmm. Chevy up off the couch, or I'm sorry, picks Fletch up off the couch and drags him off to jail, right? You're cleaner than most of the ones we get around here. You smell nice. He's then the second time, his second encounter with Fletch. He's the obviously the the Bugbusters cop. He walks into the house. Oh, who are you, Billy Jean King? Bugbusters. I listen. I know that the Billy Jean King, you know, uh, disguise was top notch, and anybody would fall for that. But I mean, come on, you just arrested this guy, and you can't, you don't notice that like a suspicious person is in a house he's not supposed to be in, <laughs> you know. And it's the same cop, and he again, he doesn't notice that it's Fletch in this costume. And then at the very end, he makes his final appearance when Fletch crashes his, uh, his Cadillac into the back of this guy's horse and buggy. When he's dressed up for the, uh, have you guys ever noticed no, that's him again? Like, I didn't know he made, I didn't notice that either. No. At the at the very end, when they're when they're going to Hamilton's party, and Fletch crashes his his Cadillac to stop it, oh, in the back I, I never, in. I never. He goes, that. he goes flying, and he's pissed off. And again, he doesn't notice it's Fletch because of the costumes. <laughs> Fletch is kind of like Superman. All he's got to do so, is make sure the the curl in his hair is changed, and no one notices him. Like his curl is his uh, teeth. <laughs> That's a great point. Thibodeau, Louisiana, <laughs> real mm. or fake? Uh I'm going to say, I don't know. I'm going to say real. It is real. There is a Thibodeau, Louisiana. I just looked Thibodeau. Did they? I know they shot all over Louisiana, but I don't think for some reason Thibodeau was one of them. No, I don't think they did. Because when I'm looking in popular culture, it says the 1989 motion picture Fletch Lives was set in a fictionalized Thibodeau. Huh. The only last observation that I have 
is my one of my favorite background gags in movie history. Okay. I love, love, love the Bly chemical scene. And and, and Laker Jim, you have a little uh kind of it's kind of more of a of a, of a fun fact for me and you. What about about Bly? Holy shit, Bob, I cannot believe you just brought that up. I completely forgot about that. I seriously forgot about that. Jake, check this out. You're not gonna believe this. The Bly chemical scene was actually filmed at a chemical plant in Carteret, New Jersey, where Bob and I grew up. Oh. Now, we were only like eight or nine, right, at the time. But how crazy is it that Chevy was in our small, quiet neighborhood, I mean, literally up the block from where we lived, shooting a movie that we would grow up loving, watching a thousand times, and ultimately podcasting there's about. There's a big, yeah, there's a big factory on the, like, the, the shore end of our town. We live right on the Arthur Kill in New Jersey, right next to Staten Island. You have to take the bridge over to New York. I loved living in Carteret. Well, I'm very happy for you. Most people live in terrible neighborhoods. <laughs> uh, there's a big factory right there, right on the water. And it, it's it, you have to kind of really go out of your way to find it. But yeah, the fact that they chose this random factory out of anywhere that could have possibly filmed on the planet was, was just such a such a... A crazy thing for Laker Jim and I. There's only 11 places in the country that make this shit. Frank, just give me the ones that aren't in New Jersey. <laughs> Clearly, the, the chemicals in the Carteret water is what made us love. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's probably how they they wanted to get the corrosion. They wanted to get the corrosion on his Laker high tops just right. So is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. FMC is. is the name of the place. If anybody wants to look it up in Carteret. Yeah, it's still there, but I think it's a different name. Oh, I wonder if they do. Let's have my next birthday party there. <laughs> One of my favorite internal shots is when Headley Dan Duke goes to pull the file for Everest, and you hear a loud scream, a blood curdling scream, somebody getting injured. <laughs> if you look behind Fletch in that scene, there's a, a board that says days since last accident, something along the lines of that, and it says one. As soon as you hear the scream, you see the funniest thing ever. You see one one worker there turn around, look and see what's going on. He has a shocked look on his face. He turns back to the board. And he changes it to a zero. <laughs> it's just, I think I remember it's that. Such, it's such a uh, funny sight gag to see. And yeah, I highly recommend if you next time you watch Fletch Lips to look out for that. As soon as you hear that that really guttural scream that I love so much. <laughs> funny. Well, I'm looking now, and and the Farnsworth Ministry yeah, stuff was shot in Nassau Coliseum. Oh, it was! Wow, yeah, I never. I, that's insane. Yeah, they took this uh, production all over the country to shoot this movie. So the second scene yeah. with Farnsworth and Chevy, you know, where he's well, Peter Limonjello and Claude Henry Smoot, um, is probably one of my favorite scenes in the whole uh, movie. Mine too, because. I just tell you, it's it's yeah. it's just hilarious, and it is it's yep. very broad, but at the same time, and a little over the top, but it, it's it's funny. It's very funny. Well, the fact that Claude Henry just on the fly sure. can make up a backstory of you know the migraine headaches, being on the gazebo, uh, yeah, getting struck by lightning, and, and having this gift, you know, just all at once, it's, it's just so creative and everything. <laughs> I mean, the wig is amazing. The nose. I mean, yeah, he really. But are they the um, Gordon Liddy teeth? Seem a little bit more exaggerated. Front tooth's a little more crooked. Front tooth a little more crooked, a little more big, you know, than, yeah. than, than the Liddy ones. The Liddy ones are just, like, prominent. Those things are crooked as hell. God help him! <laughs> and how do you feel now? Well, it's a throbbing. Well, God bless you. A throbbing headache comes right up through your heels, up through the hip bone, the knee bone, up the spine, up through your back, through your head like Satan was belching through you. Is that it? Exactly. Do you believe? I believe. He believes. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless. Amen. Hallelujah. So the first part of that scene is great because we do use the old misunderstanding when he calls up the guy that has hemorrhoids, but he's a, <laughs> he calls him a compulsive gambler, I think. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it's a misunderstanding, but it is really, really, because he's like, the first thing you got to do is expose that or something yeah. like that. You really think so? <laughs> <laughs> like that what is that guy's name in the movie? What's his name again? Tibu. 
Oh, that's Ted Lawson. That's yeah, that's Ted Marshall. Ted Marshall. That's Ted Marshall. That's right. I beg, I beg any of our listeners to call in our number. Liquor Jim, you can give us the number again. I beg them sure. anybody to call in our number and just if you know anybody named Tebow Tebu or know <laughs> what the name Tebu stands for, the nickname would stand for, I, I beg you to call us and tell us. Please give us your insight on this. If you're from the South, especially, and you really have a lot of family members named Tebu. No offense. <laughs> Do it. Do it now. Well, if you say so. Did you guys ever notice that uh, Becky Culpepper gets an alias in this movie too? When uh, when Ben Dover drags her into the Pee Wee Herman bar um, and says, you know, what's your name, babe? <laughs> she says, Darlene. <laughs> I forgot about that. But you're going to tell me that the town criminal doesn't know the town realtor by face? I mean, but I guess in, in the world of Fletch, an alias is all you need to throw somebody. When we're talking about this, I have to remind people to go back, if you haven't, and listen to our Alias episode. Because yes. we go into a lot of detail about each one of these aliases, including um, Eldridge and all the other ones. Ted Nugent and even Peter Limoncello. Yeah, so. Oh, my God. That's one of the best episodes we did. By the way, guys, not to interrupt you, but... Um... Can you guys do me a favor and remind me for Lent? I want to give up jerking the head off a snake. Okay. <laughs> Yo, Barber! Reg has got a water moccasin in his mouth. Hey, we in luck. You don't jerk your head off a snake? Oh, no. I, I gave it up for Lent. Hey, listen, I'm not going to miss the fun. Hey, guys, wait up! Is that something that you do often? <laughs> Please remind me. Please. You blew it this year. This year, I'm giving it up. <laughs> you know what the movie suffers from a little bit is that a lot of movies make this, but especially movies that have a mystery to it, they make this mistake. If it's not Farnsworth or Ham, yeah, who is it? You know, like there's there's no extra outside yes person that it could possibly be. So it kind of yes, it's not much of a mystery when you know there's only three characters it could possibly be. It could be yeah. you know Farnsworth, Ham, or, or Everest, or Bly, whatever. You know, and so it, you know, but still, I, again, I'm not going to say a bad word about Fletch Lives. So this is up to you two to kind of debate. I mean, I love, I love when, I mean, two different movies that crack me up when they use the word pork. I mean, I love when Ham says, when you were the night you porked her. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then I love, I love an European vacation when, when Rusty oh, says, I think man, he's a porker. Great call. I love that line. <laughs> that's how I got lucky. That was a night you porked up. A night you porked up. I love the way Ham speaks in that movie. And I love when he's so concerned about Fletch holding his mother's ashes and he put put that down. That's very fragile. <laughs> Just the way he pronounces words is fantastic in that movie. <laughs> yeah, that bullshit chuckle. That's what he says. And how great is it that Farnsworth has one final act of heroism yeah. when he stands he swears in front of Fletch and Becky to kind of go have to shoot through me. And he's like, "You have to shoot through me, you son of a bitch," or something like that. <laughs> oh yeah, good call. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he used to be a used car salesman. Uh, that's By it. the way, do you think the Heavenly Hilton gives points? You think Maybe. you can earn points at the Heavenly Hilton? Yeah. What kind of points though? For the afterlife, or I don't yeah. know. Oh, that's a good point. For the afterlife. <laughs> <laughs> like St. Peter. St. Peter, please, I have points for that. He'll let me in. Cash in my points. <laughs> <laughs> You're saying about but the, the murder movie. almost seems like kind of an afterthought if you think about it. I mean, the night he porked her. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about Mr. Coco? Oh yeah, I love oh, to talk about it. There's never, there's never a day that goes by where I don't want to talk about Mr. Coco. The undercover monkey agent. Yeah, yeah that was that was too much. <laughs> I there love Mr. Coco. Too much in Fletch. <laughs> I'm sorry. There are two things that are too much in Fletch Lives. One is the exaggerated dream sequence, yeah. and yeah. two is the the monkey. I'm sorry. <laughs> the and like, the way that that the the monkey high fives the agent at the end of the movie. Hang I'm on, like, man. come on. That's a that's a trained monkey. You, you think that if you have a <laughs> a trained monkey as your monkey psychic as a cop, you're not going to teach him how to do a high five. <laughs> so another plot hole that's interesting is that 
Okay, so Calculus says he's been working for his aunt, but it seems like he has been working for him or her for a long time. Yeah. So how long has this investigation been going on? Well, I think Calculus, That's a good point. I think Calculus you know? lied about ever working for the aunt. I think he just showed up. Maybe, maybe. You know? But the town's so small. Yeah, you know? yeah. And that's a good point too, because yeah, when calculus goes to 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 dinner with with Fletch, the the people that go on the coon hunt, they all know calculus, and they seem like they've known him for a long time. So that's a very good point. Yeah, that is kind of a plot hole. You're right, Jake. It's a good observation. But how long do you have to live somewhere for people to really get to know you? That's the question too. You know, six months, a year. Yeah. But that's a serious undercover operation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely. a real commitment. Yeah, that's deep cover. I, I have another question too. Uh, and mm. this is probably obvious, but I just want to—I just want to confirm this too, because I've always had this question: when the KKK guys are there and they say that they had to rent out, they had to outsource and to get to get you know work. That I guess oh, they're, yes. they're working for Hamilton, right? In that situation. Yes, I would think so because wouldn't you think that Ham was trying to scare him off his property would just give him another reason to sell? And the and the two hundred and fifty well, the two hundred fifty thousand dollar offer on fletch's mansion that's from hamilton or is that from everest or is that from bly from farnsworth i think it's from farnsworth i think that was farnsworth. See, i've always been confused about that and i shouldn't be because i've seen the movie a that's million a good times. point who is that offer that's a good from? point so oh, is unless unless farnsworth wants it donated though i think well hang on because when when that's true when i think it might be from everest that's making the offer on the house because when he's using the computer you see that there's a mention of everest being Becky's client, Everest is only involved in the in the toxic waste. Well, I mean, I, you see, mm-hmm. you see. Hang on, let me finish. You see in that scene, there's a scene where he's using the computer. You see, Everest is is the client that was looking to buy, and Becky never did know who the client was, which is why she didn't need to be spanked. If you remember, she never knew who her client was, and yeah. and the client was in fact, I think Everest. But I think that was Hamilton kind of pulling the strings with Everest, working with them illegally. I think she, I think she knew. She just wasn't at liberty to say. No, I don't. I don't think she did know because Fletch says, you know, Becky didn't know who her client was, and she was a good girl and didn't need to be spanked and everything. She, yeah, but the, but because it was her dad. <laughs> she yeah. what? She was keeping it quiet because it was her. It's dad. a very, you know, we're gonna have to go back and figure this out. This is a. If anybody again, if anybody at home knows the answer to these questions, call in our number and. No, it wise us up to the situation because it's a very confusing uh yeah because i think we find out or fletch finds out that jimmy lee farnsworth is actually becky's father yes. that's why she's keeping it i think that's why she's not at liberty to say her client is oh, man i feel like the client is everest though i, I feel like what would everest's what would what would their everest is making motive, everest is making you know? you know all right hamilton doesn't have the money to buy the two hundred fifty thousand dollars property so he has Everest going to buy it. He convinces Everest to buy it so that he can keep dumping. I think, I think Farnsworth, Farnsworth pays Bly to dump the chemicals. No, no, on the property. Why would Farnsworth want to des- destroy his own land that he's trying to build on? Well, because he probably feels like he could then re. You no, know, because Farnsworth, Farnsworth wants Fletch to donate the land. He doesn't even want to pay a dime for it, if you recall. That's true. Yes, that's a good point because I remember him in the uh, yeah. I'm pretty in the sure. golf cart saying, "Boy, your land would be yeah, it would mean a lot. You know? Yeah, it would mean a lot to him." Yeah, and, then, and even and even later, like when when he's talking to Ham in the in the office in Ham's office, he says, "You know, why would you consider donating your land to Farnsworth when you have a cash offer on the table?" You know, yeah, I'm true. pretty sure Everest is looking to buy the land. Hamilton convinced everest hey if you buy this land we can dump on it i think that's what's going on yeah that's the that's and then ham is trying to scare him to sell by hiring the kkk right there you go it all ties together boom glad we figured that out because we should have known that going into this podcast that was like yeah yeah my brain is firing right now hey can we talk about something serious we've been doing a lot of joking around having some fun but this is serious take a listen to this yeah let's get serious Dinner's ready when you are. Colonel Sanders, boys and girls, make a really big good. Good chicken. Colonel Sanders has lived on through many actors at KFC. There's now been nine comedic colonels just since 2015. Howdy, folks, it's me. 
Colonel Sanders. And the newest addition to the Colonel family. Okay, hold up. I don't even want to know who the new Colonel Sanders is because I think KFC is missing the big picture here. Mm-hmm. Right. Not any of these actors are real colonels. I think who they're overlooking is somebody that's obvious. Colonel Fletcher. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I think you're right. Fletch was born to be the KFC colonel. He kind of, he comes with the Colonel Sanders outfit too. I don't even have to. He's got the accent down. He's got the accent. Jake, you need to at KFC. <laughs> <laughs> I can do that. You know, look, I, no, look no further than Chevy Chase himself as so, Fletch in yeah. Fletch lives. The Colonel. Would you mind if I sat in your lamp, Colonel? Please do, Betty Lee. Please do. <laughs> and for those that don't know, uh, Jake handles all of our social media. Laker Jim handles all of our graphics. I do absolutely nothing. So credit <laughs> to these two guys for all the hard work they're doing on social media. And please, when you do see Jake pouring, Jake and Laker Jim pouring so much work into our social media, please leave a like, comment. Uh, correct. Yeah, we would definitely appreciate it. But let's let's barrage KFC. Let's get Colonel Fletcher. Yes. As, as a new Colonel Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Great idea. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll start, okay. We'll, we'll start the campaign. Let's start that right. campaign. Exactly. All right. We will start that this week. Hashtag KFC Fletch 2022. Hashtag Colonel Fletch Sanders. <laughs> at the end of the movie, he's back in LA. So he's back working at the paper. So there's another setup for another Fletch at the newspaper, yep. at least working at the newspaper that we never ended up seeing. And Becky is in LA. So where does that go? Did she just come out with him? Did she move out there permanently? Well, this, this, mm-hmm. this points to a conversation that we had recently, you know, what happened to Gail after Fletch into Fletch lives? You know, she just is no longer with Fletch anymore. And then, you know, yeah. how long is this Becky relationship going to last as well? Fletch doesn't seem to be the kind of guy who likes to be tied down in long-term relationships. Well, he's been married. He, he was married three times in the book. Uh, so. Well, there you go. There's probably a good reason why he doesn't believe in long-term relationships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot, he's a lot for a girl to handle, I think. Here's a, question, yeah. here's a question I want to throw out to both of you. If Fletch were to settle down, okay? I don't want to do an F, marry, kill. That's, that's really that's not doing well for 2022 standards. But if Fletch were to settle down with one of these three, who would you prefer? Becky, Gail, Larry. That's a good question. That's an F married kill. I don't want to do an F married kill. Just who, who do you think he'd be best suited for? Or would be best suited for him? I don't think Becky is really. Well, I don't know, though, because in the later books, when he's with his, um, I mean, he's not living with, his, he's living with a girl, but he's not married to her. But she's a Southern type, and that's in Son of Fletch and Fletch Reflected. So she's definitely Southern, okay. like Becky. Okay. Gail was probably too high society for Fletch. So yeah, my my theory is that Gail saw Fletch's apartment and was like, nope. Yeah. Yeah. I would say either Larry or Becky. Laker Jim, how about you? I'm killing Becky. <laughs> You're doing the other. Oh, wow. Right. I, don't think, I mean, I don't think, I, think I, can was, do, I can. Yeah, I'm. I'm killing her. That was quick. I don't think I can handle her accent. Oh, uh, of course. If she's British or the, from the South, Jay, Laker Jim can't handle I'm from the South. The two accents I can't handle. If so that Selma Hayek had a British or Southern accent, <laughs> Laker Jim would say absolutely no. <laughs> absolutely. So now I'm down to Gail and Larry. Mm-hmm. And although both of them really do get Fletch's sense of humor, and I think, you know, when you're going to mm-hmm. marry one of them, yeah. you're going to want that. Um I think I'm marrying Larry. You think you, wow. instead of instead of taking the Stanwick Boyd Aviation money, you're going with True Love and admiration. Yeah, I am. And you know what? I'm doing the same I'm thing. Going long term. Yeah, I think I get. I, I I'm Fletch. I think I'm getting along with Larry long term. Yes. And I think I'm. Uh, you know, there's there's I a think. few factors here for me. The fact that Larry is so quick to offer back scratches. That's that's a huge Ooh. for me. That's like that. That's, that's true. That's a that. deal maker. I, didn't even think I love that. That's a deal maker. And the yeah. fact that she's just so down for whatever and seems like she's so much fun. And and yeah, I think that, you know, you, you try to take Gail to a Laker game. She's not going to appreciate it. You take Larry to a Laker game. She's going to be screaming in the front row right. at Mikhail or, 
you know, bird or, or parish, just, just like a, like a lunatic Laker fan would do, you know, and that's why you stick with a woman like Larry. Well, don't forget, Bob, in, in your, in your, in your fan fiction world, Tim Matheson just dropped a huge bomb in your lap. Alan Stanwick is not dead. Yeah. Well, he's I'm still, I'm still, yeah. uh, I'm still on that, that. What you may, I'm still unpacking <laughs> that. Never that's know. where we need to have the, if there was ever another Fletch book, that would be it. Yes. Return of Stanwyck. Return of Stanwyck, Stanwyck right. A, a bulletproof vest underneath Right. His yes. Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Had, he thought it all through ahead of time. Hamilton was the same way. Had a bulletproof vest. They both survived, and now they vow revenge. <laughs> he would have had to had some connection to the coroner because the coroner declared him very sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every coroner in this universe is corrupt. Uh, is, it, is that true? Okay, I didn't realize that was a, that was a known fact. Yeah, but they destroyed all the Amanda Ray Ross information along with her. Uh, uh, I forgot. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. They're very corrupt. Coroners are the worst. <laughs> Hey, one little one little fun fact I want to uh, say is that in one of the plane scenes of Fletch Lives, not the one with the not the one with the Nostradamus, the other one where he's picking his nose. Yes, Michael Ritchie and his family are sitting behind Fletch in the. Plane. That's Michael Ritchie. Yes, it's Michael yeah, Ritchie, his know, wife, and and one of his kids has a little baby. Oh wow, that's so funny you mentioned that because I watched the movie last night and I noticed behind Fletch there was a very rambunctious family. There's a guy next to him that's probably just out cold sleeping. Yeah. And then there's there's a family behind him that's really making a lot of movement. And your eye goes to that automatically because he's not – other than picking his nose, he's not doing anything. Wow. What a great cameo. Yes. If you look at the first flight with Cindy May, clearly Gillette's stunt double is, <laughs> is sleeping next to Fletch. And Calculus' stunt double is behind Gillette. Behind him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yes. He looked exactly yeah, like the character. I rewind to make sure that wasn't calculus behind him. I wonder if Diamond Farnsworth is somewhere <laughs> in there, too. Okay, so I asked you to remind me to bring up Wheel of Fortune because it's actually a segue to the promotion of Fletch Lives. Chevy Chase went on the premiere first night episode of the Pat Sajak show. I never heard of a Pat Sajak show before. I mean, back then in the late 80s, early 90s, Late night was so big, networks were just throwing everything at the wall and just hoping something stuck. Oh, there were a ton of those shows. Pat Sajak had a show. Remember, Joan Rivers had a show for a little while, and that was against Carson. Maybe it wouldn't have been so bad for Chevy to go on this show. You know, opening night of anything gets a lot of viewers. Maybe, maybe the promotion would have been more effective if it wasn't three months prior to the movie coming out. Yes, that's right. This interview takes place in January. The movie comes out in March. Let's take a listen. I'm, I'm tickled to death that this guy is here tonight. He is an Emmy Award winner for his work in Saturday Night Live. He's now become a big motion picture star, and he has another Fletch movie coming out. I don't know, Son of Fletch or Fletch Returns or Here's Your Fletch. He'll tell us in a moment. Ladies and gentlemen, Chevy Chase. Uh, you, you flub... That what the what your very first guest is promoting? That was Pat Sajak. Yeah, that was pretty bad. And it's funny though it, he he it was a precursor to the actual book Son of Fletch. So maybe <laughs> <laughs> because the book Son of Fletch didn't come out till the nineties, right? Yeah, early nineties. Yeah. Guess who Pat Sajak's band is? Oh, is it Ooh. the precursor to Chevy's band? It is the Tom Scott band. No. How is Tom Scott following Fletch everywhere? <laughs> that is so crazy. <laughs> he may have lost the Fletch soundtrack gig, but he got every gig after that that was offered. But none of them lasted very long, apparently. <laughs> no. uh, poor guy. Oh, how long? I got to look up. Okay. Who lasted longer? Let's guess. Who lasted longer? The Chevy Chase show. Or the Pat Sajak show. Well, I, uh, this is the first I've ever heard of the Pat Sajak show. I thought Chevy Chase show was only like 13 episodes or a season or whatever it was. So being I've never heard of the Pat Sajak show, I'm going to bet Chevy lasted longer. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to guess Chevy Pat Sajak lasted longer because it seems like a type of show that can like kind of lay under the radar for a little while. Okay, so you're exactly right, LJ. The Chevy Chase show 
29 episodes. Oh, 29. The Pat okay. Sajak show, 298 <laughs> episodes. Good Lord. I never it lasted it. from January 9th, this night with Chevion, 1989. And it was all the way until the following April of 90, April 13th, wow. 1990. And um, yeah, it was on CBS. I can't believe that. It lasted a long, a lot longer than I thought it did. So we'll spare you from listening to the whole interview. Basically, Pat Sajak asks him a series of nonsensical questions, never mentioning Fletch Lives, never mentioning the movie, never talking about the movie he's there to promote. At the very end of the interview, he, again, can't think of the name of the movie and asks Chevy when it's coming out. Is, is there more to it or no? That's it. No, he never comes back. Are you kidding me? It, like, seriously? Like, when Chevy got interviewed by uh, Farnsworth on stage, it was less uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Farnsworth knew how to he- hold a conversation yeah. better than this. He knew how to get to the point. That's yeah, funny. Some now people, would- <laughs> it's just like, some people listen. Some people just listen so they can talk, you know, they're waiting for their next opportunity to talk. Woo. Here's another fun fact. Uh, the actresses that played Becky and Amanda Ray Ross played sisters on a TV show called sisters. That? So although they don't have any scenes together in Fletch lives, the two women that Fletch sleeps with in the movie play sisters for, I believe the show lasted a little while too. That's a good observation though. Yeah, that was well, it makes you wonder if they were makes you wonder if they were friends in real life, and then one recommended the other for a part in the movie. It happens a lot, you know. Hmm. I'm not sure if people know this, but Randall Tex Cobb, who played Ben Dover, he actually was a professional yeah. boxer. Yeah, and he was a, a brawler type. He was boxer. on Letterman a lot back in uh, the 80s and into the 90s. I think. Yeah, really? he was like a frequent guest on Letterman, and he and some of those interviews are on YouTube, and they're actually pretty funny. You should look them up. They're actually definitely will. Here's a little funny uh, Randall Tex Cobb Easter egg in Fletch Lives. Uh, after the coon hunt, uh, Fletch is doing a voiceover and pretty much has figured out who was shooting at him. Figuring out that the thug who dropped my watch was the same guy who stole it at the morgue didn't take Sherlock Holmes. Larry Holmes could have figured that out. Obviously, he's referring to Randall Tex Cobb. But the irony is that in his most famous boxing fight, in an absolute bloodbath, in a 15-round decision, he fought Larry Holmes. So a little ode to his boxing career from the filmmakers. I'm always looking Enjoyable. for good. Rand- Randall Tex Cobb, to me, is has been in so many great parts. He usually plays the same oh, character, yeah. but I love him in Raising Arizona, uh, playing the, uh, the, the biker, Smalls, Leonard Smalls. Um, like Jim, I know you never have seen that movie, but I implore you to please watch it sooner or later. It's just, just for the fact that there's so many Fletch and Fletch lives characters in that movie. Um, or actors, I should say, not characters. Uh, and then, uh, you know, who doesn't love him in Naked Gun 3, 33 and a third, <laughs> where he pretty yeah. much plays Bend Over again. <laughs> he actually even says Bend Over. <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, he I, does. Don't, I don't remember seeing that. Bend over and pick it up for me. Would you love her? No problem. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I remember seeing the movie, but it's been such a long oh, time since I saw that last Frank, movie. Guy. Frank is in jail and he's and he's in the shower. And as soon oh, as as soon as Bend over comes into the to the shower, everybody's turning off the water and running like hell. And then he walks up to Frank and flips the soap behind him. And oh my gosh! Frank bends over and he's got the uh, the chastity belt on. <laughs> Did we talk about the reviews last time? No, we just talked about the financials. You guys want to do Siskel and Ebert? Yeah. Okay, I can cue that up. Bobby might want to stay away from any sharp objects during this. Let's take a listen. This is going to anger me. Chevy Chase returns as investigative reporter. I am Fletcher, trying to find out who wants his inherited Southern estate in the comedy Fletch Lives. It's one of five new films we'll be reviewing this week on Siskel and Ebert. I'm Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Our first movie is Fletch Lives, a sequel to the 1985 comedy with Chevy Chase once again playing a Chevy. Los Angeles newspaper mm-hmm. reporter who sort of floats above the action, delivering sardonic wisecracks that sort of worked in the original film but doesn't work this time. 
One of the reasons is that Pletch Lives doesn't have a park so here. much as a living, breathing museum of exhausted old movie cliches. The film opens with Fletch inheriting the Louisiana mansion. That's cliche one from a long lost aunt, cliche two. When he turns up, the mansion is already guarded by oh, cliche three, a faithful servant played by Cleavon Little. Well, if we talk about that, I mean, Fletch, it is a cliche, but it's a cliche that Fletch points out pretty quickly. So it's not something It's supposed that's... to be ironic. It's supposed to be... Right, right. and... Went right over there. Right. And like a perfect, perfect line is Fletch is like, have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? Right. I mean, so that is something that was played. Like, yeah. I mean, the the first time he hears Calculus speak, he gives a look like, is this guy serious? Yeah. Ugh. Go on, I guess. And the Klux plan, of course, cliche four. Those cliches don't satisfy. How about number five? A sexy Southern Belle played by Julianne Phillips. And, of course, number six in every southern movie, a dumb deputy sheriff. And number seven, the stereotype sadistic jailhouse bully. Okay, let's stop there for a second. So, a lot of these cliches, though, I think they are cliches, but I think they were put there in, in for purpose to have the character play off of them. So, I don't think they, I think they were aware of it. It, it almost could be looked as a satire of those things instead of you know just being a part of the movie because yeah those are things that we see in a lot of the movies and i think what part of the the humor in fletch lives is that it's fletch's reaction to these couldn't agree more i think maybe they're looking into it a little too much i'm not even going to dignify these these criticisms they're so (laughs) i mean there's poor bob i knew this was going to be bad but you know what these criticisms are so (laughs) personal because they don't like chevy and it's just absurd, you know, like it's just it's a movie, it's a comedy, it's supposed to have cliches, it's supposed to have, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, running kind of uh, whatever. I'm not I'm not even go ahead. You guys do it. I, I have nothing to comment about this. And I, I think what makes Fletch works, and this is the same thing in the first one, is that mm-hmm. Fletch is the only normal person in his world. Fletch is reacting to the wackiness of everybody else. But they don't get that. You know, they don't understand that. Chevy Chase can be a very funny actor, and he was last summer in a movie called Funny Farm, but in Fletch Lives, he seems to be deliberately trying to hold the action at arm's length. This character never seems involved, never cares, never has anything but a sardonic one-liner to say, even when he wakes up with a dead body beside him of a woman he made love to last night. And the plot involving TV evangelists, that's cliche number eight or nine, evil uh, polluters, that's number ten, I guess. It's so absolutely routine and so recycled that maybe it's no wonder Chevy Chase wanted to seem more bemused than interested while he was acting in this movie. It's a big disappointment. Uh, I happen to like the first uh, Fletch picture. I thought it was one of some of his best work in a long time. He sort of came out of a slump playing a fairly bright guy, and it was he was in peril. It was a dr- he happened to like it. They bashed the first movie too. Yeah. Now Siskel did like it. Siskel gave it thumbs up. <laughs> Ebert was not as impressed with it, but Siskel liked it because his response was that Chevy was actually playing a character in Fletch and not just playing a version of himself. Fuck these guys. Um, <laughs> you know what I like about you, Bob, is like, you know, you're very <laughs> open with your feelings. Well, just about this. It's just, you know, hey, you didn't like it, whatever. It <laughs> yes. went over your head. You don't understand, whatever. Um, Move on. And, you know, and if I do... and. And I've told you guys this, if I do have a criticism about Fletch Lives, is that it is a little too broad in the comedy, but I still think it's... I agree. And and if I had a criticism of Fletch Lives, it would be that Fletch is a little less... He has less emotions mm-hmm. in this one, I feel like. you know. Yeah, and and maybe Fletch... Um, maybe he doesn't show as much as intelligence, maybe, as he did in the first one. Maybe the mystery is just... The mystery isn't quite as good as the first one. I mean, that's obvious. We're talking about a movie with no writers. It has to be done on the fly. You know, like they for what they had to work with, I thought it they overachieved. I agree with you. You know? Yeah. I agree. And and Fletch Lives is one of those Fletch Lives is one of those movies that um I think over time has gotten a little more respect. You know, uh, if you search Fletch Lives, you know, on the internet, you see more and more articles that's like Fletch is Fletch Lives is not as bad as you think it is. 100% yep yep yeah some movies i think over a test of time become they got a cult oh yeah cult status you know yeah yeah exactly um 
I'll name one right off the bat that I love that people hated when it came out. But now I think more people love is Hudson Hawk. Never seen it. I absolutely love. I absolutely love that movie when it came out. It it was absolutely bashed when it came out. But now I think there's a much more appreciation. Is that like an action comedy? Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's got a little bit. I'll check it out. But yeah, you definitely have to check it out. Fletch Liz, I think, falls in that category, too. I think you're exactly right, LJ. I think it's more appreciated now than it has been. Not if I recall, on the beach or something like that. And it was a pretty exciting story, and yet he was funny within it. It was a tough little mix. This thing is just a joke city. He just walks through, tosses off one-liners, and they're really not very funny. And uh, the uh, the story is, is, is completely lost uh, behind him. I really thought it was sort of a walkthrough picture. Both movies were directed by the same Michael man, Ritchie. Michael Ritchie, yeah. and uh, this movie is a real, real letdown from the other one. You there's know, no one of the things here. that no, there isn't a script, and there's, there's no inspiration either. One of the things Chevy Chase needs, I think, is strong direction. And when he gets it from a director like George Roy Hill, who made him perform and play a character in Funny Farm, then he's good. But too often, he just wants to be in a movie as if he's guesting on a talk show, you know, and it's his job to kind of look at all the other characters and their funny comments and their strange uh, behavior and make wisecracks about them. He's got to be he's got to be willing to be in the movie if we're going to be willing to to be interested yeah. in it. I also think he needs a script. I mean, uh, it's funny to play off of it, but he needs some kind of basis. Our next film is. Yeah, so they they gave it two thumbs down. Well, we knew that was coming yeah. and we we know that they weren't yeah. the biggest Chevy fans to begin with, or as some of them says, Chevy. <laughs> but um, yeah, I I was surprised though. I will be honest. I was surprised because recently I did watch the review of Funny Farm, which is a great Chevy movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, they they loved it, um, which was surprising yeah. <laughs> since they like so few of his films. But I knew... Yeah, this is just not their taste at all. But I mean, they turn around though and like short circuit too. <laughs> so, but I think, but I think Funny Farm could have very, very much been another Fletch film. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You're. That's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah. That that is a really really good point with some tweaks in the story, but uh, just putting him in that situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Country. You know, same sort of thing. Quits the paper in the very beginning or quits. He's a writer, you know? Yeah. Wow. I never even thought about that. That's a great point. You know, I know Fletch isn't a detective, but when I'm looking on um, Rotten Tomatoes about you may also like uh, who's Harry Crumb comes up as one of the movies that they would suggest to watch along when Fletch lives. How great would it have been if we got a who's Harry Crumb or Harry Crumb and Fletch crossover movie? Yeah. (laughs) Well, Hughes Harry Clum was like a poor man's yeah. Fletch because he used a lot of disguises. And I it will really tell you, that's similar. another movie that I haven't seen right. in a long time. Oh. But there's some really funny stuff in that movie, yeah. too. John Candy is really funny. Absolutely. You make a great, great point, yeah. too. The disguises is a huge tie-in between both yeah, characters. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there was actually, briefly, there was a show in the 80s with Mario Van Peebles called... Sunny Spoon or Ooh, something like okay. that. And the big thing about, and this was around Fletch time or like mid late eighties. And he was like a private detective. And the big thing with him was that he had all these disguises. So wow. that I think had, I think that show was inspired oh. by Fletch as well. All right, boys. So before we wrap this up, final, final Fletch lives thoughts. Anything else you want to say about the movie? The casting for the movie was very good. I thought that for what they had to work with, they, they overachieved. And for me, it's always going to hold a special place in my heart. You know, I, I know a lot of times sequels don't live up to the original. And in this case, I know a lot of people disagree with me, but $2 million in Scrod, perfectly acceptable. <laughs> it all comes back to Scrod. I'm a fan of it. I like it. And the only thing that I think is a detriment to it is just, again, it's not based on a book. I just wish it was. That's the only thing. Um, but it's a funny right. movie, and it, I think it holds up well, um, despite a few things that are, yes, what we say, outdated. But it's still a funny movie. It's a funny flesh movie, and I'll always be a fan of it. Absolutely. There's a lot of funny lines in that movie. There's a lot of funny stuff in there. It belongs in the universe. Oh, 100%. Yeah, when we go back and look at Fletch movie canon, 
It is definitely in there. At least we hope it is. Gregory McDonald's son. Exactly. Him and his that, mom that's are a, that's huge a great fans point. of Lips. Gregory, maybe yeah, not so much, but they, they loved I mean, it. They a lot, lot of great stuff in it. And if you look at it overall, it could be, it could be a flex book. It definitely could be, just like you said, LJ. That funny part could be. So yes, absolutely. What about you, Laker John? I, I I definitely enjoy watching it. I've always looked at every movie like this. I'll take any incarnation of characters that I love. Yeah, sure, it's not a perfect movie, and it might be a little different than the first, and it's, his character might change. But you know, it's sort of the way I look at Major League Two. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a big Major League fan. I'd rather have Major League Two than no movie at all. You know, I still enjoy the characters. Got great lines. I mean, a lot of my, the lexicon of the things I say come from Flex Lips. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, I know you use the feeling a little horny Ed line all the time. Every day, pretty much. <laughs> he I does. Win. Every day. <laughs> uh, I think that's a great point, though. Just seeing a character continue in any way sure. is good. And just the fact that we love Flex so much, um, I'll take it. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I love talking about this movie. It's so fun. <laughs> well, that about wraps up this episode of Fletch Lives Part 2. Believe it or not, there's still some stuff we ran out of time for. So maybe there will be a Part 3 somewhere down the road. Yeah. But for Jake, for Bob, I'm Laker Jim. Please go out and support the podcast. Rate, review us. Send in your questions. Call the voicemail. Please support the podcast any way you can. We thank you so much for listening. Coming up next week is our interview with Burton Gilliam. You won't want to miss it. If you got a question for him, call in today. But for me, the Wheel of Fortune isn't coming on. I'm going to catch the last 10 minutes of Dynasty. See ya. Another soul saved by Jimmy Lee Farnsworth. How about that?